Well, last week as we started our study into Colossians chapter 2, we saw that Paul taught that one of the greatest defenses against false teaching, against the attack of the enemy, is to be intimately connected, intertwined into church. Together, we are stronger. As we are knit together in love, as we encourage each other's heart, as we agonize for each other in prayer, as we stand united together in our faith, we, together, as the church, help each other stand against the false teaching that would try to lead us astray. Our togetherness in Christ, it's in Him and it's through Him and it's for Him that we are bonded together, stronger for Him, stronger for each other, stronger against the teachings, the false teachings of our day. But as Paul continues on his theme of maturity here in chapter 2, he continues that in verses 6 and 7. He changes his focus from a corporate church community focus to a more individual focus. We all know that saying, right? A, A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You know, that's not totally true in the church. See, the weak link is actually stronger in the church because it's knitted together, intertwined with the stronger links and maturity of the church. We make each other stronger. And yet it's still important that the weak link itself, the immature believer, the one who's still striving to grow in some of the basics of ways, goes on a quest for maturity. Not only are we strengthened and and encourage each other, maturing as a church, we're also to grow in our own walks with Christ, maturing as individual followers of Christ. That's what our passage is about today. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And we'll read verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Father, we pray now in these moments that these precious words, your word, would challenge us and would change us. Today, as we worship Jesus, we would actually leave here more conformed to his image. That our lives, our priorities would reflect our relationship with our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we start looking at our passage today, before we even start talking about the, the marks of a maturing Christian, we have to talk about what this passage assumes. You see, this passage is written to people who have already put their trust in Jesus. This passage is talking to those who have already received Christ Jesus the Lord. So let's talk a few minutes this morning about what it means to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. We, we all know that a true follower of Christ is not just someone who acts like one, but is someone who is one from the inside out. 1 Samuel 16, 7 teaches us this important truth. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance, at his height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Did you know that fake gems are a real problem nowadays? Anything that's extremely valuable will be counterfeited, but fake gems have been around for thousands of years, but with the technology of today, making them has advanced. Fake gems are harder to detect with the naked eye. Gem buyers today must be aware of the three types of gems that are made to look more valuable than they really are. They're synthetic gems. They're grown in a lab. And they, they duplicate a natural gem's physical and chemical properties. It's not real. It's a duplicate. There are simulated gems that are man-made. The, the color of simulated stones may be similar to that of the natural stone. But it's very different physically and chemically. There's the famous one, right? Cubic zirconia, well known as a diamond simulation. It's not real. It's just a simulated look-alike. And then there are enhanced gems. They're, they're natural gems that have been altered to improve their look. Color can be enhanced through heat and radiation and oils and chemicals. Other methods used to imitate or enhance the value of stones are dyeing the stones or waxing or smoking the stones so that the poor quality stones are made to look richer and fuller and more valuable. It's a real gem, but it's a fake facade. Expert advised buyers to verify a stone's value with gem testing laboratories like the Gemological Institute of America before any sales or finals. When paying big money for jewels, you want to be very careful about getting the genuine article. You see, looking like the real deal is not the same as actually being the real deal. A gem doesn't get its worth simply by what it looks like on the outside. It must be the real deal on the inside. It's very possible that you today, from all outward appearances, look like the genuine article, like a true follower of Jesus Christ. But if you're honest with yourself, if you look inside, it, it just might be something you're doing on the outside. It's not coming from your heart. It's not coming from a life. That has called on Jesus Christ to be their Lord. You see, looking like the real deal is not the same thing as actually being the real deal. It's not what we do that God is looking at. God looks at our hearts. I came across a list of questions this week from uh, ChristianLeaders.com that are designed to ask yourself. These are questions designed for you to evaluate yourself and your present status with Christ. The author said they were designed to wake up sleepy Christians. They were designed to convert nominal Christians. They're designed to help you evaluate your heart. The inside. First, it explores the evidence of the presence of God in your life. Answer these questions. How real has God been to you this week? How clear and vivid is your assurance and certainty of God's forgiveness and his fatherly love toward you? To what degree is that real for you right now? Are you having any particular seasons of sweet delight in God? Do you really sense his presence in your life? 
Do you really sense him giving his love to you? Second, there's this exploring questions about the evidence of scripture changing you. Have you been finding scripture to be alive and active in your life? Are you finding certain biblical promises extremely precious and encouraging? And which ones? Are you finding God's calling you or he's challenging you to something through his word? And in what ways? Third, there were these questions exploring the evidence of a growing appreciation for God's grace. Are you finding God's grace more glorious and more moving now than you have in the past? Are you conscious of a growing sense of the evil within your own heart and in response then a growing dependence on and a grasp of the preciousness of the mercy of God? So think this morning, evaluate. Is there evidence of God's presence in your life? Is there evidence that the scripture is changing you? Is there evidence that you have a growing appreciation for God's grace? You can't grow and mature what you don't have to begin with. Evaluate. Have you received Christ Jesus, the Lord? Verse 6, literally written, says, The Christ, Jesus, the Lord. Paul is saying that, that a true believer receives is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior. This Messiah was the historical man, Jesus, who walked on this earth. He was seen with eyes. He was touched with hands. This Christ, this Jesus, is also the Lord. He is God. He is divine. He has full authority over our lives. Have you received Jesus? The man who died on Calvary as your Messiah, your Savior, your Christ, dying in your place for your sins as your Lord, God, very God, the ruler of your life. See, received in verse 6 is in the past tense. To receive Christ is a one-time event that happens to us at that glorious moment of our salvation. It is the forever gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the question today is to evaluate, have you ever received Christ Jesus the Lord? And if you haven't done that right now, today, at this moment, as you're sitting there, right now is the moment. As you're sitting there, you can pray. Out of your heart, you can call out to God. You can exchange a life of sin for his life of salvation. You can exchange you as the ruler of your life. For Jesus Christ, the Lord. Today, you can become the real deal on the inside in your heart. Now, if you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, then verse 6 goes on and says, and it commands us to walk in him. Now, to walk in Jesus is to live for Jesus, is to have the daily conduct of our lives to be about him. Walk is a present active command. It means to continually walk, to keep on walking in him. Our walk first started at that moment when we received him. And then our walk is supposed to continue. supposed to keep on walking. We are to walk in him the same way that we received him. We are to walk by faith. We are to live day by day by faith. We are to have the daily conduct of our lives reflect that we are men and women. Of faith. 
And then he describes three ways in which we uh, take our faith out for a walk. Three ways in which we can grow to mature our faith walk. Three ways that, that he said, as he said earlier in Colossians 1.10, three ways that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The first uses three different images. Maturing Christians are to walk in him being rooted, built up, and established. The first picture is the depth of our foundation in him. The second is the growth of our building of our life on him. The third is the strength of holding fast in the faith. Rooted is a picture of a tree. Our roots, our foundations are run deep in Christ. The verb tense of the word rooted here is in the perfect tense. Paul's trying to communicate through grammar to us today that that what he's trying to say to us is that being rooted in him was an event that was accomplished in the past that has lasting results in the present. This eternal planting took place at our salvation. We were once for all rooted in Christ Jesus at the moment of our salvation. But those roots continue to grow deeper and stronger in our present lives. See, roots don't live for themselves. The purpose of roots is to nourish the plant and to provide stability for the plant. The roots are there to help the plant grow. Science writer Hope Jaron shares an interesting fact about plants, especially about the tiny seeds starting to draw down roots, the most essential thing for a plant's survival. She writes, no risk is more terrifying than that taken by the first root. A fortunate root will eventually find water, but its first job is to anchor. Once the first root is extended, the plant will never again enjoy any hope of relocating to a place less cold or less dry or less dangerous. Indeed, it will face frost and drought without any possibility of flight. She calls taking a root a big gamble. But if the seed takes root, it can go down 12 and 30 or even 40 meters. The results are powerful. Tree roots can swell and split bedrock. They can move gallons of water daily for decades, much more efficiently than any pump that's ever been invented by man. If the root takes root, then the plant becomes almost indestructible. Tear apart everything above ground. Everything. And what happens? Most plants will rebelliously just grow right back. Because that root is still intact. You see, for us as believers, when we're rooted in Christ, we are spiritually indestructible. Nothing can uproot us. We are locked in Him. The tree might struggle. The winds and the weather of life might batter the tree. But the roots never waver. Solid. Strong. Because they're in him. I can remember driving to Julie's family's house out in the plains of Colorado. They lived near the national grasslands in northern Colorado. One time we were foolishly arriving to their house at night. With gravel roads and poorly marked road signs. There were times I had no idea where we were. And to make matters worse, I kept seeing things moving. They're moving across the road, on the side of the road. And 
just enough movement with the dim lights of the car that I knew something was happening. I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe I was just getting too tired. But then one came close enough to the front of the car and I got a clear picture. It was a tumbleweed. I'd never seen one before, ever, with my own eyes. At daybreak, they were everywhere. Tens of thousands of tumbleweeds. It was so bad at that time that people were having to remove them from collecting around their homes. Now, tumbleweed is famous for one reason. It has no roots. See, the heat of the day dries up the weed. And then the wind of the night pulls it right out of the ground and off it goes, aimless, powerless, fruitless, worthless. It is our root in Him. It is the depth of our nourishment and strength in Him that when the heat of the day tries to dry us up, when the winds of the night try to pull us out, we stand firm. Firm in Him. Firm in His purpose. Firm in His power. Firm bearing fruit in Him. Firm in Him. Worth more than all the treasures of the world. See, two Christians, we're not tumbleweed. We're not succumbing to the changing winds of our culture. We don't succumb to the evil winds of false teachers. We're Christians. We're like trees with deep roots. Someone describes the believer in this blessed life saying, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. See, perhaps today, this morning, perhaps, believer, this morning, you need to reconnect to your roots. You need to remember all that Jesus has done for you, the solid foundation, the depth of the nourishment and strength. And perhaps this morning, you need to thank your God for your roots in Him. Well, not only does our strong and deep roots in Christ help us live our daily lives in step with Him, but the next picture is of being built up of, upon that sure foundation. Paul purposely, again, changes the verb tense with this word. Being built up is in the present tense, which shows continuous action. We have been rooted. We are being built up. The picture here is of the continued process of spiritual growth throughout our lives. We are to walk in him every day, progressing in our faith. Although the, although the first picture comes from agriculture, roots, the second picture comes from construction being built up. They actually work together to make one strong point. You have to have that sure foundation in him in order to grow in him. We grow because our roots not as some fake facade looking like a real building, but in reality having no root in him. Jesus talked about this himself at the end of that most famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, he's, gonna, he's a wise man. He built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat against the house. But it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them 
It would be like a foolish man to build his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. See, to walk in Jesus, to have our daily lives focused on who Jesus is, his priorities first, is to have our roots in him, is to be founded on the rock of Christ Jesus. And then as we build up our lives, our spiritual building, as we follow Christ in obedience, step by step walking with him, when the floods of life come, when the winds of false teachings blow, we will not fall We will not be uprooted. Our building, our lives will stand fast because of him. But if your actions are just for show, you're just a fake gem. It's all on the outside. If you have no real roots in Christ, if the foundation of your life is shifting sand, when life comes against us, what happens? We're obliterated. And great was the fall of it. Now, the buildings might look the same, but in reality, there's a vast difference because of the foundation, because of the roots. That brings us to the next picture of walking in Him, and that is the process of regularly being established in the faith. Again, established or strengthened means Continual action. To walk with Jesus means that we have been rooted in Him. We are being built up in Him. And we are being strengthened in the faith. The faith here is not so much a picture of saving faith. It doesn't say so that you'll be established in your faith. But to be established in the faith. The picture is of doctrine, of the teaching of the Bible. The New Testament book of Jude in verse 3 puts this truth this way. It says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write with you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We are to be being established, being strengthened in the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. As we walk in Him, as we live our daily lives with His priorities in mind, As we do that, we're continually being strengthened by God's Word. It's the Word of God that builds up and strengthens the believers. Believers who study God's Word. Christians who make knowing God a priority in their life. Our followers of Christ who are growing strong, maturing, established in the faith. Who can tell truth from error. Who can stand strong amidst the ill winds. Of difficult life circumstances. See, we're to walk in Christ just as we were taught. There's no secret here. We don't wonder. You know, we're not confused. No one here can really say, well, I know I'm supposed to walk in Him, and I know I'm supposed to have a, my daily conduct of my life, my attitude, and my actions are supposed to be in step with Jesus, but I just don't know how to do that. There's really not a one of us in here, in this room, who've been rooted in Christ for any length of time that doesn't know how to walk in Him. We actually know. We've been taught it from the very first moments of putting our faith in Christ. The challenge we face isn't that we need more knowledge. It's putting what we already know into practice. See, one person 
paraphrase uh, verses 6 and 7 this way. It said, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus the Master, now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. While school's ultimately never out for us as believers... It's a wonderful truth. We are continually learning and growing in our knowledge and appreciation of Jesus Christ and His Word, being established in the faith. But the point of the paraphrase is right on in this passage. Our problem isn't so much that we need more knowledge. It's just that we have to put into action what we already know. We need to start living it. Faith is an active word. Faith is a word with feet. Having received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, if I stopped the sermon right now and had every one of us lift five ways that you can put your faith into action, five practical ways to walk in Him, we'd have this incredibly long list, this wonderful list. Because, see, the truth is a challenge for us isn't just to get more knowledge. The challenge for us is to actually take that knowledge and to put feet on it, and to start walking in faith, to put our faith into action. It's to take what we know and to live it. The book of James in chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James goes on to teach in chapter 2 that it's impossible to have true faith in Jesus and have no evidence, have no deeds, have no actions to prove your faith. Faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. To use our pictures from our passage today, it's impossible to be rooted in Christ and have no plant. It's impossible to have Jesus as the foundation of your life and have no building on him. We've been rooted in faith for any length of time, have to come face to face with the fact that the challenge of our lives is not really to learn more about Jesus, but just to live what we've already been taught. Think and evaluate. How is your walk with Christ? How is your daily life living with his priorities first? What do you need to change to walk step by step with Jesus? I would challenge you that if you took five minutes today to think and to pray about those kind of questions, and then if you took another five minutes in answer to those questions and wrote on an action plan on how you would apply what God is challenging you in your life in ten minutes of your life, ten minutes, you would move your spiritual life onward and forward and upward in amazing ways, pressing on towards the goal of a life, walking in step with Jesus Christ. Ten minutes. You see, a maturing believer is one who's presenting their life as a living sacrifice to God. A maturing believer is one who's taking up their cross daily to follow Christ. A maturing believer doesn't just hear God's word, doesn't just know God's word. A maturing Christian lives God's word. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him just as you were taught. 
And here's the results that maturing Christians know. Following God's word, walking in our daily lives in him leads to abounding in thanksgiving. You know, the word abounding here means to overflow. The picture here is of a a river as it overflows its banks. Thanksgiving should flood our lives. Thanksgiving to God for who he is and for what he has done should permeate every area of our lives. As we walk in him, our lives should overflow with thanksgiving. You know, there's this amazing sentence in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So what's the will of God for you? To rejoice always. What's the will of God for you? To pray always. What's the will of God for you? To give thanks in every circumstance. See, a a maturing follower of Christ, a person daily walking, a Christian pursuing God and his will in all the varying circumstances of life, both the good and the bad, both the great and the heartbreaking, has learned and is learning to rejoice always, to pray always, and to give thanks in all circumstances. How can we do that? Because a maturing Christian knows something. Knows someone who's in charge. And they trust the one who's in charge. Is a circumstance hard? Yes. Are the tears real? Are the fears real? Certainly. But a maturing follower of Christ can see around and through the difficult circumstances of life and see a loving God. And a caring father. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him abounding in thanksgiving. Now why be thankful? Well, two psychologists, Dr. Robert A. Emmons and Dr. Michael E. McCullough, have done much research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. One group wrote about things that they were grateful for. That had occurred during the week. The second group wrote about things that daily irritations, things that displeased them. And the third group was just told to write about events that affected them with no emphasis on being positive or negative. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic, felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they exercised more, they had fewer visits to the physicians than those who had focused on the sources of aggravation of their life. Of course, studies like this, as this one can't prove cause and effect, but most studies published on the topic support an association between gratitude and an individual's well-being. Think for a second, now, how awesome is our God? How well does our God know us? Why does he want us To walk in our daily lives overflowing with thanksgiving? Why does he command us in 1 Thessalonians 5 to give thanks in every circumstance? First of all, it's so that we would see him more clearly. So that we would know him more deeply. So that we would get closer to him in in our walk and our fellowship. But it's also for us. You see, thanksgiving, gratitude, not only focuses on the truth of God's love, 
But it also gives us in our lives, our regular everyday lives, a more full, abundant life now. See, one of the marks of a maturing believer is that they abound with thanksgiving, overflowing with praise to the goodness of God. Thanks to God for my Redeemer. Thanks for all that you provide. Thanks for times now but a memory. Thanks for Jesus by my side. Thanks for pleasant, balmy springtime. Thanks for dark and stormy fall. Thanks for tears by now forgotten. Thanks for peace within my soul. Thanks for prayers that you have answered. Thanks for what you do deny. Thanks for storms that I have weathered. Thanks for all that you supply. Thanks for pain and thanks for pleasure. Thanks for comfort and despair. Thanks for grace that none can measure. Thanks for love beyond compare. Thanks for roses by the wayside. Thanks for thorns their stems contain. Thanks for home and thanks for fireside. Thanks for hope, that sweet refrain. Thanks for joy and thanks for sorrow. Thanks for heavenly peace with thee. Thanks for hope in the tomorrow. Thanks to all eternity. Perhaps what you need to do this morning, perhaps the most important step towards maturity that you need to take this morning is to abound in thanksgiving. To start to overflow in thanksgiving. To be able to look through the circumstances of your life to a loving God. Maybe even through the tears of a broken heart. Look to a loving God and abound and overflow in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, the power of your word, how it meets us directly in our walk today. Lord, if there is one here now this morning who has been living Christ on the outside as a facade, just a show, but not on the inside, their heart has never really bowed to Christ Jesus the Lord. Right now, convict them and challenge them so that they might come to know you, everlasting life, everlasting Father. Lord, for us as, as followers of you, Lord, help us to pursue maturity. Thank you for the root in him, but now help us to grow. Help us to strive and to be established in the faith. Just as we were taught, Lord, help us to put into action what we know. All surrounded in the great beauty of thanksgiving. Abounding, overflowing in thankfulness. Lord, change us this day so that we might be more like Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.